Podcast. And so when we talk about what's toxic, it's the, it's the little traits, the little tendencies that some of us have that just create small cracks in the foundation. And boy, once you start, once that trust is gone and those cracks are there, it's really easy for those cracks to grow into something much messier. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to remind you that the Qualified Leadership Book Series, which includes all three of my best-selling leadership books, is now available on my website, johnsrenny.com. You get all three books for 15% off the Amazon and Barnes & Noble price, but this offer is only available on my website. Now, this is the perfect Christmas gift for the leader or future leader in your family. So check it out at johnsrenny.com. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about how to tame toxicity at work, and my guest is Kimberly Benoit. Kimberly is a leadership and workplace toxicity expert. She works with leaders and companies to combat toxicity in the workplace. Kimberly believes that we all bring our own BS to work, and taming toxicity begins with ourselves. This was a surprisingly insightful conversation. Kimberly gets to the root of toxicity, and as it turns out, each of us plays a significant role. I know you're going to love this conversation as much as I did. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kimberly Benoit. Kimberly is a leadership and workplace toxicity expert who coaches, consults, and speaks for organizations needing fresh strategies to keep great leaders, unite teams, and combat toxicity. She has more than 20 years of leadership experience across a variety of industries and companies, from small small nonprofits to Fortune 50s like Target. And Kimberly believes that we all bring our own BS to the workplace buffet, so kicking toxic cultures has to start from the inside out. She is the best-selling author of We've All Done It, getting real about the role we each play in a toxic workplace. And I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about taming toxicity at work. So Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. I'm so happy to be here. I am happy to have you because toxicity and toxic workplace is something that we've talked a little bit on the show. We have not talked about it enough. And so I'm excited to have an expert on here to talk about it and help, you know, really everyone to understand what it is and what mm-hmm. our role is uh, in, uh, in in either creating or uh, preventing and not preventing a toxic workplace from happening. So we've got a role as leaders to prevent this from happening and making a great workplace for our, our people. So that's why I'm, at, I'm glad to have you on the show to learn from your expertise. So first of all, I got to ask you, how did you become a leadership and workplace toxicity expert? Like what drove you to this particular topic within organizations? Just sheer existence. I mean, <laughs> quite frankly, um, I don't know anyone that hasn't 
dealt with a toxic environment, toxic boss. Um, and what really brought it to a forefront for me were two major things. One is when COVID hit, there was the great resignation. And that's what everyone was talking about. And MIT did some amazing research. And they found that the number one reason people were changing jobs was not because of salary, not because of remote location. They were quitting because they were they considered their workplaces, quote, toxic cultures. Mm-hmm. That is why they were leaving. Number overwhelmingly, like I think it was like a 10.4, 10x reason. Like they were that high above. And so that kind of planted a seed of curiosity and um, which followed quickly by, I was having a conversation with a friend and coworker. We were talking about some leaders that we liked personally, but we would never work for. We were like, man, that person, they're a pushover. They're so toxic. Their team is terrible. And I had an epiphany somewhere in the conversation about, I wonder how many people who've worked for me are saying the exact same thing. Oh, Right. So because when we talk about toxic people, we never point the finger at ourselves. Right. It's always somebody else that's the toxic problem. And so it just really I just got really curious. One, I got kind of chuckled a lot because I immediately saw faces of former employees who I knew probably had me high on their list. Yeah. And um, and it just I just that curiosity kept building of. So what does this mean? You know, when we say I'm quitting because this place is toxic, are we even considering ourselves part of that equation? Um, and so that's um, kind of where it started, just for me really wanting to dig in, really wanting to research it. Because as you said, we as leaders have a responsibility and we spend most of our waking hours at work. So why not try to figure this out a little bit since it seems to be such a prevalent issue for why people are not staying in roles and why people are fig- like choosing to leave and go somewhere else. I, I love it. And I love that you're diving into this topic. And I love the fact that you're saying that we all have a role to play. Or we all have some responsibility in creating toxic workplaces. And that's why I was a little uncomfortable having you on the show because I've always thought of myself as a good leader. So now I'm going to learn <laughs> in talking to you that I might be part of the problem. And as you were talking about, you know, if you think back at the faces of people that you have worked for you over the years, I know some people that hated me, like in, mm-hmm. in different roles that I was in. So, and I wonder now, you know, as you're talking, did, did I create some of the problems? So, and, and I'm probably going to learn that I did. So, <laughs> well, it's not so, too bad. So, no. So, here's the thing I always ask people when they say that, right? Yeah. And so, the first thing I always say is, okay, when you think about that person and you think about the situation that existed with that person, mm-hmm. is there anything you immediately would say, man, if I could have a do over? of that conversation, that email, that interaction that could have maybe changed how that person felt. Would you change something? Yeah, yeah, I would. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the point. So it's not so much that you necessarily... So backing up a bit, what does toxic mean? Toxic is very personal. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, so if we step away from the overt harassment, the overt discrimination... I, when we people, most people talk about like a leader they don't like, it's because there was no accountability. There was favoritism. They didn't feel like they were good communicators. Like when you really start breaking it down, it's little things that built up over time that every single one of us do. 
So I'm going to give you an example Mm. that makes everybody really uncomfortable. So how many times have you been in interaction with somebody and your phone beeps, buzzes, or your Apple Watch goes off and you immediately take your eyes off the person you're talking to and look at the notification? I, I have to confess I'm good at this, so <laughs> but but I know I've seen many leaders do this. So, so uh, put yourself uh, in the recipient. So how, bad, you've yeah. seen you've seen so if it happens once, yeah, it's forgivable. Right. But if it happens every single time you're having a conversation with that leader, yes, what do you start to think and feel about how that leader feels about you? You're not important. You're not important. What you have to say doesn't matter. Yeah. That you're, you know, it does because you could be ha- having the most difficult, like you could be pouring your heart out. That yeah. person is going to check that phone. You could be saying, I think I want to quit. They're going to check that notification. Yeah. And so yeah. that plants a seed that starts to erode whatever foundation you have. Mm. Because the minute you start to feel you are not important to somebody, yeah. Then you now are like, then you start to look for other evidence to say, well, that person doesn't care. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. does that mean that leader is malicious in saying, is like a malicious, doing something intentionally right. to, right. not necessarily, but boy, does that example resonate with people? Because we are almost like Pavlov's dogs at this point with all of our devices yeah. Yeah. that we can't not look. But the implication is so significant to the person who is being, who, who, who is no longer being interacted with and having that very present conversation. Yeah, it's, it's it, and what you say is it's the feelings that, that are created through that action that may seem uh, to the leader minor, but to the follower, it's significant. It sends a message. Um, you know, I, I say often that that uh, micromanagers, it's the, the message is, I don't trust you and mm-hmm. I need to control you, right? And absent managers, the people that are never around is, I don't care about you, I'm not interested in what you're working on, I've got, I'm too busy. And so both of those, it's, it's the feelings that are created, not necessarily, you know, that that person's a bad leader, but just they're at the, the things that they do are creating negative feelings in the workplace. Yeah. So when you get down to it, when people, because... When people choose to leave and a lot of times what you'll talk about in, cause I used to really investigate exit survey data yeah, um, and read what people had to say. They did not feel respected. They did yeah. not feel valued. They did not feel, um, they felt there was favoritism mm-hmm. because they, and, and again, perception is reality. So, you know, again, if you have little cracks in the foundation of how you are treating people on your team, that even you don't, you know, you may not intentionally be doing, the message people are receiving is what's reality for them. Mm -hmm. And so I often talk about this. We all have our little things that we do that we may not be fully aware of, but it's the ripple effect of how it's internalized for the people that are around you. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So, so help us with the definition of of like a toxic workplace. What are some signs that we might be working in a toxic environment? And how is how is a toxic environment different than just work? Your work is sometimes hard, sometimes it's stressful, sometimes it's not fun, but it may not be toxic. So how can we know the difference between those? I would say the two signs overwhelmingly is low morale, low engagement that oh, yeah. Yeah. stays low. 
Um, yeah. You know, because I mean, there's 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 peaks and valleys in every industry and in every job. Um, I've worked for a lot of different industries across the United States, and every single one of them has their moments where people are like questioning all their life's choices. And then there's, but you usually come out of it, right? There's like the the ups and downs, um, but it's when it never rebounds. And then the yeah. second one that usually tells you there's a problem is when you have high turnover, when people just won't stay. Even if the salaries are decent, even if the benefits are good, people just keep turning over. And so those those two things usually tell you there is a systemic problem in the team. Yeah, there's yeah. something bigger going on. Yeah. Um, you need to figure out because the truth is, toxicity is not an isolated person. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah. It takes more than one person for the culture to sustain and survive. And that's exactly what I was thinking about. My last corporate job, I would say, it was that environment. Although my immediate boss was a phenomenal man, a good leader, good person, um, very smart, capable. But the organization itself, like from the global level down, was just like everybody was um, apathetic. Um, everybody felt like their voice didn't matter. Um, engagement was rock. It was at the bottom it could possibly be. People would just like just the morale was as low as I've ever seen in any place. And me as a leader and, and a fairly senior leader did my best in my mm-hmm. little world of responsibility. But it was toxic from the top to the bottom. It was really, yeah. really hard. So, so we, to your point, it wasn't just one person. It was the it was the culture. It was a mm-hmm. culture of, um, in this case, it was a French-owned company. And if you didn't have a French accent, they, you weren't gonna you weren't making any uh, inroads, and people weren't going to listen to you unless you had a French accent. It was a weird, weird thing, but that's just a, what happened. And, I mean, having the last name of Benoit, I won't take that personally. <laughs> yeah, you would have been fine. <laughs> so, no, but uh, yeah, so it was interesting. So it was a whole culture and it wasn't just a person. Like I said, I had a great leader, but it was a, just a depressing place to work because it just mm-hmm. was, um, and, and you know, it's funny because the company, up, upper management wanted to improve morale. And so I was actually uh, a site manager and they wanted me to have an all-employee meeting where they were going to do videos from from France to, to get the morale up. And they 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 sent me a box of things they wanted me to hand out to every employee. And, I, and I'm not kidding. It was a button that said, I love my job. And I had to give a button to all my employees that said, I love my job. And that's actually I, when I decided to leave that company was that moment. <laughs> well, that might be a perfect example of there's a cultural gap here. Yes. Like a genuine culture disconnect. Um now, what I find interesting, and I talk about this, is the fact that we there's there's various roles people play, mm-hmm. and we also we often play different roles. We can play multiple roles in a, in a in a single incident too. So it's the person who's what I call bringing the fun to dysfunction, like <laughs> who's, who's serving it, right? And then you have the person who's receiving it, and then you got the people who are watching. Yeah. yeah. And my favorite is, is people like to think the people watching aren't as important. But the truth is, is those sometimes can be the most important people. Yes. Because if they are in a position of power and say nothing, then the complicit message that's being sent to everyone else is it's acceptable behavior. Yeah. All the way to the opposite extreme where this is someone's like personal entertainment. They're eating the proverbial bowl of popcorn because that they live for the drama. Yes. It's much more entertaining to focus on somebody else's drama than to actually do your job. Yes. 
right? Yeah. And so, because we usually where we focus on are those the two at the beginning, like who is the who's the instigator, um, you know, who's the victim. Um, but the reality is, is, even if you are the one who's secondarily receiving it, you have choice in how you respond. For instance, do you just completely go into victim mode? Mm. Do you disengage completely? Or do you come back guns fight, you know, guns ablazing just as hard as what came at you with the idea of instigating? Like, we're going to amp this up. Like, we're going, it's like the arena, you know, the gladiator yeah, arena. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, because those are the two roles people tend to think of. Um, but I often like to remind people that every single person, when you are in that team, you're playing a role and what choice you make determines if you're helping escalate it, allowing it to continue to exist, or are you, a, are you trying to help resolve it and try to at least like illuminate it or to try to resolve it in some way, shape or form? Mm. And I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that you should just stay in a job that is awful. But what I am saying is before you bounce or just say, hey, I had no role in this. It's important just to take that to take that moment and reflect a little bit and say this question I asked you in the beginning, if you could go back and do any interaction differently, what would you do differently? How would you show up in a different way to maybe end up in a different outcome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like the fact that we have we each have a personal responsibility in our organizations that can, that can affect the culture positively or negatively. And, and, and like you say, if, if we're just complacent and we don't take action where we, where we could, then we sort of condone the activities. And I think that's where, what you're talking about is that each of us ha can take action one way or another. And, yeah, my and, favorite is the yeah. example of the not my monkey, the little monkeys with like holding their ear, yes. like, no, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, no, like you're in it. Like we're all in it in some way, shape or form. And we have ownership of the culture because the culture just isn't your boss. Right, right. The culture is how we, each and every one of us show up every day. We are, yeah. we are the culture. Um, and as leaders, it's our job to really know what it is. And if it's not the culture we want, then we have to start asking really uncomfortable questions like, what am I bringing to this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. No, this is good. So, so, um, so toxicity and toxic workplaces, you know, often the leader, often the leader is responsible. So the lead, it does start with the leader. What are some things that make a leader like toxic or more toxic? What are some either qualities or activities or things they do that can, can create this in the workplace? So I would I would I would maybe reframe it a little bit and say it doesn't necessarily always start with the leader, but it definitely ends with the leader. Okay. Um, because as leaders, we're responsible for doing something when yes. something's wrong, and right. you can become a very toxic person if you turn a blind eye. Okay. To a okay. problem. So, for instance, if you know there's something going on on your team, your engagement's gone yeah. down, yeah. and you've got people leaving suddenly. And you don't know why, that makes you a toxic leader because you haven't actually done some due diligence to figure out what's happening. Um, the most popular reasons you tend to hear about is it comes down to really poor communication. Favoritism comes up a lot where people perceive favorites and therefore different, they're not, and everybody's not being held to the same standard. Um, I would say the thing that I would encourage leaders to think about. 
Um, Because it's not necessarily one thing or the other. Kind of the example I gave you. There's some people who would not care if you looked at your watch and your notifications. Some other people might care a whole lot. Yeah. So do you know your team? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, are you having consistent present like meetings and conversations with each member of your team to understand who they are, what is important to them. Like when you think about them saying, you know, people want to feel valued, they want to feel respected. What does that mean for that person? Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody that I've um, talked to in the past, for instance, she has no desire to ever be a leader. But a lot of people, a lot of leaders make assumptions as we talk about like career paths and planning that everybody wants to be a leader at some point. And she said, I always lost respect when leaders were constantly pushing me in that to be a leader when I had no desire to do so. She said, the leaders I respected the most because I knew they were actually listening and they were asking questions about what I valued. Yeah. How I wanted to be, re- how I wanted to be re- rewarded and recognized when I did good work. Um, that it's not a one size fits all, and unfortunately, most leaders are like that's exhausting. Yeah, but that's part of how you get an engaged team is you actually have to invest time in each person so that they do feel like you care about them and what is important to them. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. As a leader, you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you. Regardless of the size of your team, employees are depending on you for their lives and careers. For the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role, you need to master the skills to become a great leader. Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. 
As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty's strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation schedule with him today. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. Yeah, I love this idea because I, I, I've often said it in my books too that, um, you know, it's not a one size fit all, fits all for in leadership. And one of the yeah. things, one of the areas where I learned that was being locked in a metal tube on a submarine for three months at a time, we really got to know our people because we spent these long, long watches sitting in, you know, tiny spaces, tiny cramped spaces, really getting to know one another. My, my people knew me and I knew them like every, I knew everything about them. They knew everything about me. And, um, and to be honest with you, it made it easy to lead them because I knew I knew what motivated them and the things yeah. I knew their passions. I knew what, what what their frustrations were. And so when I came into the civilian world, when I came into business, I just did that because that's what I learned in the Navy, which was to treat everybody individually and get to know them and and how they're wired. And, you know, to me, it, it seems simple and it seemed basic and it's straightforward. Mm. But I also noticed that my peers weren't doing it. They were taking mm-hmm. a one size fits all approach to everything. And um and I think you're right. For and 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 people are going to take that message differently. Everybody takes a message. The same message is going to be, you know, it's going to be taken different ways by different people depending on their sensitivity to it. So you do have to customize your approach to every person. That's that's a one one way to be very effective for sure. From what I've learned. Well, and I would I would just say, you know, it's not like you have to be BFFs with everybody. Like I'm not right, saying you have right. to go and, you know become best friends, but you do have to have a basic understanding of who is this person? What do they value? What are, what, what do they want to do with their, their professional path? Right. So, because some of, a a lot of things too, is if they, people don't feel like they're being invested in, um, particularly in younger generations. So not to get too generational because I feel like that's my generation too, but I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of chatter around younger generations. but what I would say is like, they want to know how to grow. They want to know how to get yeah. to whatever yeah. the next step is for them. And you can't help them navigate that if you don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, 
And so, and I think this is just a huge moment for leaders to be able to coach and mentor. Um, but also the important thing I would say here is, is leaders have got to be really comfortable with conflict as well. Um, yeah. Because when we go back to the the communication, like they weren't clear. Um, it's usually because leaders are very scared to make somebody angry. And then as a result, like they don't want to engage in like a disciplinary conversation or constructive feedback and therefore things fester to the point yeah. where it's a mess. Um, like that's the stuff that comes up a lot. And so when we talk about what's toxic, it's the, it's the little traits, the little tendencies that some of us have that just create small cracks in the foundation. And boy, once you start, once that trust is gone yeah. and those cracks are there, it's really easy for those cracks to grow into something much messier, um, especially in times of challenge, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they're not going to trust you out of the gate anymore. Yeah. Um, and so again, I'm saying, I say all this with a lot of humility. I have done these things. I have made these mistakes. Yeah. Um, we've all done it. And so I don't want anyone to think there's judgment here. Um, I would say a lot of this work comes from a lot of self-reflection as well. Um, kind of going back to the original story, like, were those people right to think I was a bad leader? Like, did I show up as the best person I could have for them? Did I miss something yeah. for them? And some of them I did. You know, I wasn't as experienced as I am now. Um, and so a lot of this is just being as humble as possible in a leadership role, asking for help. Um, and the other thing I was going to tell you too is, is if you're not sure if you are, seek out external support, like get some awareness and outside perspective. You know, this is where having a great mentor, working with a coach, somebody who's outside of your situation can be helpful and maybe challenge your narrative a little bit. Ask you questions that are different than the people who are in your immediate circle. I think that makes a lot of sense. Having a having someone to bounce ideas off of and and um, a mentor, a coach these are these are essential for leaders. I really do believe that's important. So for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things, like you know, you mentioned um, engagement and turnover. That that tends to be uh, a sign that there's something wrong. So if you're if, you, if, if we have leaders that are listening in there, they may be struggling with engagement or turnover in their organization. Where, where do they begin? Where do they start? How, what, should, what should they do? I would say the first thing I would encourage you to do is if you don't have it set up, would be to have a one-on-one -on -one or whatever you call it in your company. I would yeah. set up a meeting like a minimum of 30 minutes um, with each of your team members and be and communicate in advance what you're doing. Yeah. Like be very upfront, transparent and say, I want to spend time with each of you. Here are things I would like to talk about when we get together. Give them an agenda in advance and say things like, I want to know what's most important to you. Mm -hmm. What work do you value them? Like what, get, what are you most excited about in your job today? What is your grit? You know, it's kind of opening a can of worms and say, what is your pain point? But like say, what is your top, like one frustration? So limit it to one. And then say, you know, what, you know, ask them about development. Where, where did you want to go from here? What are your development goals? What are your priorities? Like, what would, what, how can I support you? Give them an actual agenda so that people come prepared to talk about what you really want to know. Because I guarantee you, there's going to be stuff that comes up in every single conversation that you're going to be surprised about. Because mm. if you're not doing this already, 
this is a treasure trove of information. Um, and I would encourage you, if you are a chronic phone, if that is just like your thing, put it somewhere else. Put it on silent, put it in a bag across the room, do whatever you have to do. But in the time you're sitting with each person, they need to get 100% of your attention. Yeah, um, I think this is this one. I'm so going gonna, gonna, gonna to piggyback on this really important issue. And this is something I... I take very much a lot of pride in, and I think leaders, you need to you need to think about this. I do not have an Apple Watch. I have no notifications on my phone. Everything is turned off, including my ringer, including anything. So I have, and all of my uh, notifications are turned off for all of my apps. So the only thing I, the only notification I get is are texts and phone calls, and it's on silent all the time. And uh, and I think you know, and 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 some people get frustrated with me because they can't reach me. It's hard to reach me, but when you leave a message, I get back to you because I want to be present in the moment. And I think that's something that we, one of the things we can do as leaders is to be present. It's a really important thing. And and human to human connection is really critical. Mm -hmm. And when somebody comes in your office and somebody wants to spend some time, you need to stop everything. You know, you might say, hey, I'm, I've got a call coming in. I'm waiting for it. So I've got about 15 minutes, but then I got to jump on a call or... Um, I've got to just finish this spreadsheet real quick and then I'll give you my full attention. It's okay to say those things, but I really believe that presence, being present as a leader is really critical. And I think those 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 bosses that don't do that, that are always distracted, it's, it's very frustrating for people. And it would yeah. be frustrating to your spouse. It would be frustrating to your kids. It, it's just not normal human behavior to, to, to constantly be looking down at your phone. Well, and I just think about it. What if it's you? Like, yeah, do you yeah. want your boss, like, it, that it appears like he, they're half listening to you? Exactly. How frustrating is that if that were you? Yeah. Um, and it's that constant question of put yourself in that person's shoes. How would that make you feel awful? Like, and again, I to your point, I understand, especially people who have kids, like, I'm waiting to hear from the school, yeah. you know, because I've had that happen. Like my kid threw up. I'm waiting to hear if I have to go get them. Yeah, like yeah. those things. Totally get that. But it's, it's okay the to chronic. Yeah, yeah. It's the chronic thing. And yeah. also the other thing you said that I just want to hammer home is tell people what to expect. Yes. Be yes. like open, transparent, no surprises. Like have the agenda. Say, here's what I want this time to be about. I like it that. is about you. Yeah. It is and about expectations. I want to learn more about you. I want to know more about how I can support you. Here are things I want us to talk about. And then you say it to everybody. So the it's there's no no one feels like somebody got information they didn't get. And you know, it's taking the drama out of the air like you're letting that you're letting some air out of that balloon instantly and yeah. so I just I think that's something leaders don't do well like they assume people know yeah because they're so because it's in their head they know what they're trying to do you have to be and not just do it once communicate it multiple times yeah. um and all uh, those two things right there is where I would tell people to start is it's yeah. got to be, you've got to be very clear in your communication and you've got to be present. Um, otherwise, it's a hollow effort. Otherwise, it's just going to be another ding in that foundation of like, well, they said they cared. Yeah. But then they yes. didn't. And if you need to reschedule, don't keep rescheduling them 20 times. Oh, like, no. Yeah. You've got to, like, if you're saying it's a priority, then you've got to double down and somehow make it a priority and they have to feel it's a priority. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. And when you blow people off, they 
it's not good. It's not good if you keep saying, oh, no, I, I, I got to cancel. I, I can't make it. I can't. I got something came up. That's not good. <laughs> not yeah. good message at all. Especially sure. if you know your culture is already challenged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, the question you ask, if you if you're one of these leaders, and and it's not, I'm and trust me, I know this isn't easy. What I'm asking, like it seems really easy, but in real life, it can get really challenging. I understand that. But if you're really trying to get to the root and trying to take those first steps to solve a problem, it's gonna get messier before it gets better. Like you're gonna have to double down on a couple things. And know that that effort will pay off. Mm. It will pay off. Um, but you've got to be, you've got to be committed to it. This is all really good, Kimberly. This is, you've given us a lot to think about um, and, and really to think differently about, you know, sometimes we think toxic is just that really bad boss. It's the harassment. It's all this. But it's the little things that can add up that can create this environment where people mm-hmm. just aren't comfortable so they don't get engaged and, and they leave the organization because they're frustrated. Uh, we don't want that to happen. So these are the things that we got to work on. Um, and you've given us a lot to think about. Um, what final message would you like to leave with our listeners today? The one thing I would tell people is, um, which I find really important, is that you have to be honest with yourself about how you are showing up. And it's so, and it, even if you don't tell anybody else because you're embarrassed or it's not who you want to be, because we all make mistakes. We have all had days where we torched the place. We, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it's happened. Yeah. Everybody's had it happen. Um, but what I would say is, is with that honesty, you have to be able to forgive yourself and give yourself a little bit of grace. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot forgive yourself for the things you have not done well, you will never be able to forgive somebody else. So it all starts with you and doing work on you. Um, and that will that will show up in so many ways that you're not even anticipating. So do this, do the work on yourself and be as consistent as you can with your team as you continue to navigate that, your path of trying to get your team in a healthier place. I love it. Such such good information. Uh, really helpful, just practical advice, how to get better, how to how to prevent you know, your culture from getting ugly, you know, to keep mm-hmm. it, keep it a positive culture. That's one of your jobs as leaders, you know, is to keep a positive culture. Uh, that's our role. And so uh, Kimberly has given us a lot to think about uh, to be able to control that. Uh, I want to encourage uh, listeners, the book that she's got is called We've All Done It, Getting Real About the Role We Each Play in a Toxic Workplace. And I hopefully you've heard in the last 30 minutes that we do all play a role. <laughs> in that, uh, in that creating a toxic workplace. And you might think that you're not, uh, you're a nice person and, and, and you try to get along with everybody, but there are a lot of habits that you might have that are creating a problem in your organization. You need to think about that. So I highly encourage you to, uh, take a look at this book. Um, I was going to ask you, Kimberly, how can listeners find out more about you, uh, and this new book? Yes. So you can go to my website, KimberlyJBenoit.com. And um, right now you can, it's all on the website. I am offering a, you can sign up for a one pager that is three basic, easy things that leaders could and should be doing to create a highly engaged team. And you can get that. It's a free resource. You can print it out. Um, Some of what, some of it's what we talked about tonight. Um, But ultimately, 
you can find everything there. The book is available if you're more of a Barnes and Noble person or Amazon, you can find them in both locations or you can locate them on my website as well. Fantastic. We'll put links in the show notes for all those resources. And again, listeners, free resource. There is a free resource on Kimberly's website. Go there, follow that link right here in the show notes below. Uh, Click on that and go get that free resource and get better as a leader. Learn uh, how to get better. Learn how to prevent uh, uh, your culture from becoming toxic by the things that you can control. And so, um, yeah, take that free resource, use it and get better. That's the whole purpose of this podcast is to introduce you to to experts like Kimberly and resources that they they provide to help you get uh, to be better uh, in your role as a leader. So we we talk about building a world with, with, with better bosses. It comes with getting uh, your leadership skills, getting better at what you do. So uh, I really um, encourage you to connect with Kimberly, uh, look at her resources, and uh, see if you can get better and uh, and you can learn how to prevent your workplace from becoming toxic. So. Kimberly, I want to thank you for coming out and uh, talk to us about uh, toxic workplaces. I know I learned a lot. I'm, I, my view of toxic workplaces is a little different now after talking with you, and and I do think that there's areas I've got to work on. So I really uh, appreciate your time and uh, all the information you shared with our listeners. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate you having me on and. Um, I just, like I said, it's the little things, little, though it's the whole like wave. Everything starts with one action. You'd be amazed and one small change can have tremendous effect. So just thank you for allowing me to come on and talk to your listeners. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid.